0: in 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum
1: security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else
0: can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Liber Cristo
1: War College. Welcome to Jesus 911. My name is Jess Romero. We're waiting for Kyle Clement. Kyle Clement. Uh, he's uh, he's in father. He's on Father Ripperger's exorcism team. He's the uh, the team leader, we could say, and he's been with Father Ripperger for over 15 years as his top assistant. <clears throat> We're gonna have him on. He's coming on right now, and I'm gonna ask him about the movie Nefarious. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. There's a lot of lay Catholics out there, myself included, that are very literate when it comes to spiritual warfare and the diabolical, but there is no lay Catholic in the world. I'm going to repeat that again. There's no lay Catholic in the world that is as literate uh, and, and understands the depth of the diabolical angelology uh, like Kyle Clement. Kyle, hey, brother, uh, welcome to the welcome to War Co- Wednesday War College.
0: Hey, great to be with you, Jesse. Thanks for having me.
1: This is gonna be a great show because I'm sure uh I, first of all, I want to get your feedback on the movie Nefarious. But let me just mention my take on the movie Nefarious that I want to hear from you. <clears throat> As you well know, it's a movie that just came out a few days ago. You and I, we know the priest that was uh that assisted with the movies, a mutual friend of ours, Father, Father Darren Merlino. In fact, Father Darren was was in the movie, he was a prison guard. I don't know if you remember if you if you caught that. <clears throat> but here's my analysis of the movie. Um, the writers and directors, they're both Catholics. One's a convert to the Catholic faith, and the other one's a, a pretty on-fire Catholic, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Consleman. <clears throat> One of the things that I liked about this movie, Kyle, is that a lot of the other movies that are coming out this month, the other horror movies, they, they show, it, it's, it's pure garbage. And what I mean by that, a lot of these other horror movies, all they do is focus on, on the demonic parlor tricks. All they focus on is the on the de- demonic phenomena, so people can say like, "Wow, look, they're flying through the air." through the air. Or, wow, look at blood coming through their eyes. But in the movie Nefarious, fairies, it's different. It, you see here that the diabolical powers are exposed, but it's done very subtly. <clears throat> By the way, the people that directed this movie and produced it, they're the ones that also di- produced "God is God is Dead One," "God is Dead 2 and "Unplanned." So that so you know the quality of the writing. But here's the plot of the film. So on the day of his scheduled execution, Edward, the convicted serial killer, he gets a psychiatric evaluation during which time he claims that he's a demon and he's supposed to be scheduled for execution at 11 PM. And he further claims that, uh, before their time is over because he's being interviewed by a psychiatrist, his name's Dr. James Martin. I don't think it's a coincidence that they called him James Martin. Uh, the psychiatrist who was conflicted throughout the movie. So Edward, <clears throat> the serial killer, tells the psychiatrist, <clears throat> he says, you're going to commit three murders before you leave today. And so this, uh, this puts the psychiatrist on his heels. He's like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> so the movie, what it did, as I saw it, it really uh, captured the truth of demons, demonic forces, unlike anything I've ever seen on screen in the movie Nefarious, and I think what the movie really highlighted, Kyle, was it highlighted the psychological compatibility that a diabolically afflicted person has with a demon. And uh, the, the, this movie does not emphasize the physical diabolic manifestations that are so common with other horror movies. Uh, but the film, it, uh, it basically it gives the world the uncensored look at Satan's agenda. And to me, the film, it's, it's a perfect Trojan horse. To introduce the reality behind the culture war to an audience that would never be attracted to a film about God. <clears throat> but the film is built as, as a horror thriller with the, with the writing and the acting caliber, in my opinion, of Silence of the Lambs and the Genius of the Screwtape Letters. To me, the movie Nefarious, it, uh, it did bring in the fullness of truth in Jesus Christ. Uh, he was Jesus was called the carpenter, the Nazarene. Uh, and he was brought into the movie and uh, I was I was happy to see that our Lord was there to expose the dark forces of Satan within this powerful film. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that I'll they'll say that I've read from another book written by Sophia Press that possession looks a lot like mental insanity and mental insanity looks a lot like possession. I'm going to want Kyle to comment on that. <clears throat> but many psychiatrists who now recognize uh, demonic possession, they call it Disassociative Identity Disorder Slash Demonic Possession And it's the newest version of the DSM The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual Of Mental Disorders This movie also clearly demonstrates That abortion Euthanasia And the woke liberal issues of our day It comes from the devil That was something very clear in the movie And if you go to this movie As a lay catholic Obviously I would tell you Make sure you're in your state of grace. Don't, don't watch a movie like this if you're in a mortal sin. Pray before you go in. When you're in the movie, before it starts, say a prayer. Uh, and on your way home, do your evening prayers. Because to watch a movie based on curiosity is a sin, but watching a movie, uh, or this movie, or anyone, studiously, it's a noble thing. Uh, all the other horror movies coming out this month, once again, they're pure garbage. <laughs> They display the the gratuitous satanic violence. They embellish and center their cameras and story on the phenomena of the demon and what he can do and its manifestations. But nefarious, it shows this, what Liber Crystal has been teaching me for years, the psychological war that the demon wages against the human, the emotions, the mind. And it also shows the vast superiority of the demonic intellect as compared to humans, and uh, we see in this movie, as Dan and Kyle are always saying, the demon is constantly trying to draw you out of your lane and will trigger your emotions in a disordered way. And the demon is constantly trying to get inside your wire. And so uh, <clears throat> the main protagonist is Sean Patrick Flannery. He was in the movie also Boondog Saints. In my opinion, he gave an amazing performance. Uh, I mean, to pull that off, he basically played two people. Kyle, that's my assessment of the movie, Kyle. Uh, You've watched it. You watched the pre-screening of the movie. What would you say as an expert on spiritual warfare? Because you are an expert in this field.
0: Well, Jesse, I I think your analysis, not only is it spot on, it goes deeper into some concepts um, that we do well to talk about as Catholics. Um, And that is essentially in the modern, um, unless we'll use the term woke, if you will, I'd like to introduce a term that I think we're seeing the effects of. Chronic woke toxicity. We're becoming blind to certain things, and we're becoming over sensitive to others. Mm. But essentially, what happens is the demon is going to claim credit for any unnatural and untimely death. And I'll say it again, because the the coin of the realm on the diabolical side, the way an individual gains status, the way an individual, whether that's a human or a demon, gains status in the realm of evil is through blood sacrifice is through the untimely unnatural death of a human Mm. and very rightly so i i laud this movie for the understanding that he places three murders uh on this guy and one of them is abortion and one of them is euthanasia and the guy's blind to it until the demon makes it clear uh his culpability and so all of us Uh, This is the conversation that we really should be having. You go to countless parishes around the the country giving parish missions and talking, but if you mention euthanasia, it's the third rail to to Catholics, because many of them have a parent or um, a sibling or somebody in hospice, but hospice in the United States is le- is a form of legalized euthanasia where we drug these people to a point of unconsciousness and, and then or or legalized overdose and so I think this is really really important subject uh, abortion of course speaks for itself with regard to everyone knows that one's wrong but even nibbling around the edges they want to make exceptions um, and so I think you you bring up some really really good points and so I, I I found in this movie these are these are some themes that they did not not only did they not shy away from they brought them front and center and the language of psychological compatibility with the demon is unique to Libra Cristo to the society of the most sorrowful mother to father ripperger these the no one is talking about this as a major component of diabolical affliction. And, and we are, and you are, and it, it, this movie illustrates it very very clearly, as there's a psychological compatibility. In order for someone to be afflicted, there has to be a certain level of psychological compatibility. Now, in this movie, the man who is condemned to death is not the only one being afflicted. We often think that it's the person's possessed is the only one being afflicted. Well, both psychiatrists, Um, And even the beginning of the movie, very, very subtly, very subtly in the original psychiatrist's office, um, he's got some features of obsessive compulsive disorder. And so the demon is messing with him by moving a picture. Um, And so it's that that's that's a form of affliction and low level, though it is. The other idea that is in this movie that's very, very interesting is We were asked to review this movie from uh, the standpoint of an exorcist, and there's not an exorcism in this movie. And so what you're seeing is a chronic, low-level manifestation that is not, uh, this is not a contested possession. Um, It is a a possession. It's consistent, and some of the methodologies are consistent, but the demon's reactions here are very, very different.
1: Hold that thought, brother. This this is is a teaser for the next segment. You want to hear what Kyle has to say. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Wednesday War College. Kyle Clement, his reflections on the movie Nefarious. Stick around. It's going to get good. Wednesday War College, just Romero Kyle Clement. We're talking about the movie *The Both of us have seen it. Kyle is an expert in this area. He's probably the most literate, um, educated lay Catholic in the field of spiritual warfare on planet Earth. We're we're uh, blessed to have him here on Wednesdays whenever he can. Whenever he can join us, Kyle. I know you watched the movie. You know Father Darren. <clears throat> you watched it probably along with Father Ripperger. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming <clears throat> uh, you have us on a cliffhanger. What you were saying right before the break, I want you to continue, kind of back up a little bit, put in reverse, and, and set it up for us, uh, and uh, talk to us about uh, your assessment in terms of the psychological compatibility that we saw.
0: So, thank you, Jesse. The psychological compatibility is that when the human has thoughts that are cons- consistent or compatible with diabolical thoughts. Now, the fallen angelic psychology Um, is matches in certain areas, fallen human psychology, which is predilection or or predisposition to sin, concupiscence, if you will. For us, it's a concupiscence or or predilection or tendency for them. It's it's now part of hardwired into their nature. And so when people say they have a hatred for us, uh, that's a very mild way to explain it. But what you're looking at is it's the absolute inverse of charity, the absolute inverse uh, of love for for fellow creatures. And so when they fall, they retain their zeal for a mission, if you will, for um, for what they were designed and made to do. But now they, instead of augmenting or assisting in the flow of grace, they now militate directly against the flow of grace, seeking to impede it seeking to um, promote and affirm sin. And we often think that um, sin is the the idea of the demon and the innocent human gives into a temptation. Well, there's no innocence here. And I think that's a real point to make is there's no innocence. We don't know enough about the character, the human character in this movie to, to know what his level of depravity is, but suffice it to say that there is some. And so there has to be these concepts of we see functionally the concepts of free will, the concepts of psychological compatibility in this movie. What you're watching is a low level, chronic uh, come and go manifestation, if you will, mm. that that very much looks uh, that very much looks like our mimic, mimics dissociative um, episodes. And so when he switches characters, and that's why the psychiatrist is being, is there for evaluation, is to, to gauge his mental stability um, and in the disassociative individual faced with stress or faced with certain uh, things as a coping mechanism, they'll shift to a personality fragment. We see a lot of this with satanic ritualistic abuse, sex trafficking, etc. but the disassociative shift um, is is often consistent. They won't remember things they said. They won't they'll have missing periods of time. And so it takes a little bit of, of discernment to understand exactly what's happening. One of the clearest examples in this movie is when the priest shows up, you see the diabolical reaction to the ordained, who sees him for what he is, even when this character cure of a priest doesn't re- recognize uh, his own spiritual stature, and that speaks. That type of reaction was is very consistent with a diabolical. The point that I'm making is, diabolical manifestation in a religious context is different. In a non-religious context, the demon very much has the upper hand. Like and in the he movie, like, like in the movie, exactly, yeah, exactly. He manipulates, uh, and especially if someone thinks they uh, are intellectual, they think that they are an ex- expert in a certain area. His the way he played the second psychiatrist is pretty classic for what we call secular manifestation or manifestation of the diabolical outside a religious context. Mark that difference with the religious the response to the priest. Even when the priest doesn't recognize his own spiritual stature, the demon certainly does. And so I think that's uh, a really, really important um, point to make. They got that. They got it right. Absolutely right. And then once the demon realizes that this priest doesn't recognize his own power, his own spiritual stature, then he dismisses him and deals with him on a secular level because the priest sees himself on a secular level, not on a spiritual level.
1: I thought that was brilliant the way uh, the writers of this movie. <clears throat> again, they, you see the power of holy orders, but then once the demon <clears throat> re- recognizes that this Catholic priest is a woke liberal progressive, then all of a sudden uh, he's quite comfortable with him. <laughs> he's like, he sits down with him, even wants to shake his hand. But the, in, his initial reaction was aversion. I, I mean, he was he was triggered. He was fearful uh he, he he was afraid of the priest until the priest started opening his mouth and, and demonstrated that he was uh you know <clears throat> a, a a modernist liberal then 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 the de- the demon felt quite comfortable with him uh i also thought it was very <clears throat> uh the movie it, it quite clearly depicted that like you said abortion euthanasia a lot of these woke issues that are, of our day they come directly from the devil and that was clearly Uh, clearly shown in the movie, Uh, it's like of these uh, screenwriters. They kind of took a shot at a modernist priest. They took a shot also at uh, the woke liberal cultures of our day, the culture of death. And also, again, they called the the psychiatrist James Martin. Uh, The psychiatrist, to me, Kyle, seemed to be conflicted between atheism and theism. I think towards the end of the movie, he was moving towards theism, Belief in God after what he experienced, because the demon played him like a kid. It was like it was like a college graduate playing chess with a, with, with, with with a with a kindergarten kid. I mean, he just he just punked him, as they say in the street. When when uh, the psychiatrist tried to go mano a mano with him, and he thought he was you know, he thought his Yale PhD was all he needed to uh, to, to talk to Edward and uh, th- this demon inside of Edward, and he got played like a fiddle.
0: You're absolutely right, and we see this in exorcism, and see it in this ministry quite often. Is the individual who perceives himself expert, the demon will will use that against them. Um, I, I think you know, over the years, twenty some odd years, having dealt with hundreds of, of priests in various forms of uh, levels of formation and practice of exorcism, having taught it to Leo for several cohorts. And knowing them, um, it's like being a a gunny or a drill sergeant. You watch these guys come into boot camp and you got a pretty good idea. Um, You get where you can read them and you got pretty good idea who's going to make a good soldier and who's 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 going to wash out. Hmm. And those who rely on their own intellect and their own sense of how things should be. um, The demon just, you know, they're they're ill equipped. The the soul. Uh, the priest that is very good at this um, is a humble and holy priest. It's a person who never wanted it, never sought it, and pursues it out of obedience, and is working on their own sanctity. and And there's very little fear in those individuals because the trust coefficient is is so huge. And I think that's one of the things is that um, when you when you deal with the neo pagan, you deal with uh, the atheist are um, the the theoretical theist, if you will, uh, which is how I would label the the psychiatrist. When you when you deal with them, they don't have anything to fall back on other than themselves, and that's uh, that's no way to enter into to any kind of dialogue or contest with the demon.
1: You know, there was a part of the movie where the demon said, <clears throat> "The carpenter ruined everything." Uh, and so the demon was calling Jesus the carpenter, the Nazarene, calling our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he was, he was wrecking and telling the psychiatrist, telling him that, yeah, his death on the cross ruined everything. Uh, he destroyed our plans. It was brilliant to see. And you could see that the psychiatrist was processing this information. Um, but towards the end, the demon said, uh, yeah, but we're going to use, uh, <clears throat> you know, we're going to use this plan and, you know, though he he basically, you know, redeemed the world, died for the sins of the world, uh, we're still going to take a lot of people with us. I think he says something towards the end. Uh, most people will end up with us because of their own free will. They're going to follow us. Uh, I thought that was, again, that was pretty consistent with that very famous sermon uh, by uh, uh, St. Leonard Port Maurice, very few will be saved.
0: And, and that was the theology that we understood just for 19 centuries in the church. It is only the modernist relativist um, take on theology, uh, since especially since uh, Vatican II, that tells us that no one's in hell, everyone's in heaven. Um, this is a this is a woke idea of heaven and hell. This is a woke idea of these concepts, and it's just it's not it's not realistic. It's not consistent.
1: So, Kyle, a lay Catholic uh, tonight, tomorrow, this week, uh, they're going to go watch the movie. Here's what I would tell a lay Catholic: don't, Number one, don't go out of curiosity. Make sure you're in a state of grace. If you're in mortal sin, don't go watch a movie like this. Okay, you're gonna, you're you're going to invite a, you're going to invite an evil spirit. That's an open door. Don't go if you're in mortal sin. Make sure you're in a state of grace. Pray on your way to the theater. Pray some prayers on the, some some uh, spiritual warfare prayers, some binding prayers, some Saint Michael the Archangel prayers, the Auxilium Christian orum. When you're at the theater, getting your popcorn, your soda, say a Saint Michael's the Archangel prayer, saying Our Father as you're waiting for the show. And after, on your drive home, make sure you do some evening prayers on the on the way home. Uh, am I tracking in the right direction, Kyle?
0: You bet, Jesse. You you definitely are, and and uh, I'd I'd like to to point out that this movie this movie is accurate and consistent with regard to possession. We were asked to review it from the standpoint of an exorcist, exorcism and exorcism uh, parameters, and there's not an exorcism in the movie. And so we, we can't offer an, an opinion on possession, an opposed possession. What you're looking at is a classic example of a possession that as this man is nearing death and he's starting to have a little bit of regret, he's starting to have some remorse. That's when the psychological compatibility is fracturing with the demon. And the demon is in a position um, to where he's manifesting and, and pushing, pushing this weak individual aside. If this individual had, um, had been um, working in their will, working repentance and metanoia then you're going to see what we see, which is a contested possession and where the demon is on the defensive, not on the offensive. This demon was very much on the offensive throughout the whole movie, except for the brief moment that he encounters the priest who doesn't recognize his own power. But So it's a very different look. Uh, It's a very different um, dialogue and it's a very different thing when the human is seeking to sever the relationship, is seeking freedom. And the man, the most that could be said from the the human in this is that he was seeking perhaps preservation of his life, but not his soul. This movie is well, not about this man's soul.
1: We will continue Wednesday War College just from Eric Clement talking about the movie Nefairis. We'll also be talking about the the Boston Conference Temple of State. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, uh, uh, Kyle Clement, we're talking about the movie Nefarious. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Kyle Clement is, uh, he is the most educated layperson in the field of spiritual warfare on planet Earth, bar none. Uh, he's been working with Father Ripperger for 15 to 20 years, and uh, when it comes to spiritual warfare, he's the go-to guy. Like, when I was in martial arts, I knew who to go to. I I went to some of the top martial artists in the world that I trained with, Chuck Norris being one of them. But uh, when it comes to spiritual warfare, I know who to go to for questions and answers. That's Kyle Clement. Kyle, you're talking to us. Let me ask you a question about the uh, serial killer, Ed, Eddie. Um, <clears throat> to me, it looks like he had what, what you would call, I've heard you talk about this before, fractured thoughts. In, in, in other words, he was having a hard time uh, separating his thoughts from from the thoughts that were being projected by the demon uh, probably as a result of his deep psychological wounds and so you could see you could see that his intellect was fractured it was compromised to the point where where he couldn't distinguish between his negative emotions and his negative self-talk and uh and and it, 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 from, instead of from the demon's projected thoughts into him uh was that Pretty much a classic case of fractured thoughts that the movie depicted.
0: Yeah, it was. It really tracked along the norms that we see, um, and so when someone d- decides to identify themselves either as a victim or as uh, and or as a perpetrator, someone who wants to get even, um, and gives into that psychology, they certainly draw the, di- the attention of the diabolical. Uh, the decision to, to murder, the decision to abort, the decision to do those things um, is often made pre, prior to the demon um, being formalized inside them before there's an entrance. For a good example, a classic example is we just had it last week in, in the Holy Week readings on Spy Wednesday when Judas decides to, to betray the Christ that's done in out of his own psychology his own intellect and then it says and then the demon entered him yes and so the decisions already made this is one of the things that that uh, many people do not understand about psychological compatibility the decision to sin to sin gravely to sin habitually that's made on a human level now there may be some temptation um, and some encouragement, but essentially it's made out of a free—it's a free will choice. And this is an understanding that Catholicism has always proffered: is that the free will is never so compromised that the person can't cry out to God. If Ed in this movie had cried out to God, um, from a not a desperation standpoint, but from a "Maya um, culpa," what I've done is wrong. Have mercy on me. Um, I want to return to you then you 've got um, a possession scenario that that we see, which is the contested possession
1: hmm. <clears throat> Kyle, the, the the psychiatrist did something that nobody should ever do. in fact, I know one person in California that did that uh, called the, uh, he walked in uh, his living room and his his daughter was involved in and she was steeped in the occult he walked in from work he worked for UPS and his daughter was on the couch levitating when he walked in and uh, he was kind of a fallen away Catholic and he knew obviously something's wrong here my daughter's two feet off the couch in a supine position and so this uh this friend of mine that I went to high school with he he started screaming he started saying I don't know who you are but leave my daughter alone. And and he said, and come in me, come in me, leave my daughter alone. Uh, and fortunately, he got what he asked for. He became a, 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 one of the worst cases in Southern California and he never would want to follow any type of protocol. He would just say, it hurts when I pray. It hurts when I go to mass. It hurts when I go to do the rosary. It hurts, I can't, I can't. And he ended up committing suicide. But so, So I know a person that did exactly what the psychiatrist did he looked uh, at, at the possessed person and he told the demon, come inside me, come on. And that's what happened towards the end. You see the psychiatrist, uh, it wasn't over. There's going to be a part two. The, the demon uh, appeared to him in the form of, of another woman outside in the trash can, basically letting him know, guess what? Uh, you asked me to come in. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm follow you and I'm going to cling on to you. Is, uh, am I tracking in the right direction?
0: You are, and it really brings up two really, really good points. And first one is that in your, the case that you gave, where the, the entrance was immediate, he had requisite authority over his daughter, the father in that case. Um, and so he was in direct authority, he was also in a state of mortal sin. Both of those things are necessary for the direct transfer of the demon. Um, and so also, if he is assuming of an authority that he doesn't have, well, this is how people get possessed in charismatic prayer sessions, is they're assuming an authority they do not have, there's direct contact, and there's the offer made. Now, what happens quite often is the, the demon looked, I thought this was a, a very subtle point, uh, the demon looked at the psychiatrist, and you knew that he was not going to enter him. Because he didn't need to, he was already controlling him from the outside. And this is something to be understood is that once the demon enters, then he loses a certain amount of autonomy. He loses a certain amount of control, but if he can control through, he can control actions and make someone an agent, um, through obsession, then he'll do that because then he's free to come and go. And so, that's a um that was a very subtle point that i thought was a good and well-made point is that uh then for him to recognize um and call the guy's name um this is very consistent with possession the secondary signs of the lights and other things um that that's consistent with possession and so there were several points in this movie where they were really spot on with regard to how the diabolical are present in a given situation. Um, and so, but the point on a obsession, I think, is a, is a valid consideration we don't think about. We actually are telling people, and Father um, is, I've heard him say it in the last couple of weeks, I think we, we brought this up at your conference there and at the Virgin Most Powerful Conference, and that is, Actual possessions, classic possessions, are bound. We're, we're not seeing as many. What we're seeing is a significant uptick in obsessions, where the demon is controlling larger numbers of people. Um, you, you see the whole woke movement, the whole Black Lives Matter, the idea that um, this whole thing about fueling racism, all of these things are consistent with obsessions, not possessions.
1: Yeah, this 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 men this diabolical projection uh and there's uh, again there's this mental confusion or what uh, Saint Sister Lucia called diabolical disorientation in your thoughts. Kyle there there was right. a po- there was a point there where the psychiatrist he 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 did I don't think he was a full-blown atheist at the point point of the execution because I remember the psychiatrist who, who was conflicted even after the execution uh he did call out to God during that scene if you caught it when he he grabbed the gun from the detective and he you know he held everybody at bay with the gun uh, at that moment he he said something I think God help me or something like that uh so it looks like he was moving from atheism to theism as a result of everything that he experienced but what, what, without a doubt he was still at that point he was still uh without a without a doubt uh diabolically obsessed, correct.
0: I think so, and I think you are seeing it as the demon passes through him, by him, and is present to him, is right there just whispering in his ear. He could feel the breath of the demon as he's, uh, as he's leaving the, the man. Um, that, that's a very significant point. I think, too, that it's a good observation that atheism, atheism is as a theoretical concept. It's an academic concept. Theology is a battlefield concept. Um, there are no atheists in battle. There are no atheists in a, on a sinking boat. There are, the atheism is a luxury of the academic.
1: Mm, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's it's. You're right, uh, because everybody has to take a side when uh, the going gets tough. Uh, let me ask you one more question. Towards the end of the movie, it was. Uh, I ended up asking, Father, Darren, what, what is it? What were the, the, the words that were said? And he texts me, uh, "Were at the end of the movie when when the uh, the credits were were scrolling down. Uh, you have uh, the demon saying, uh, Mene mene tekel uparson.' that's Aramaic, for you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Then the demon says the Latin phrase, uh, uh, Ut tum stultus es ut non comprehendium, Continuandum es, which is, but you are, but you are too stupid to realize it to be continued. So at the end, if people are wondering what was said, the demon said, "You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting, but you are too stupid to realize it to be continued." Uh, to me, Kyle, the movie did did extol, it did highlight, it did show that these demons were afraid of just one and one person alone, not Buddha, not Confucius not Muhammad, not Gandhi, not Zoroaster. They're afraid of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was clearly shown in the movie.
0: That's correct. So the, I want to go back and pick up something. You're You're absolutely right. But the mini Teke Petrus, uh, Petrol, comes from Daniel 525. Yeah. And this is the writing on the wall. And, if you look at that, we've had this in multiple cases, multiple cases. And so someone did their homework on this one, um, this phrase. But if you'll recall, what's happening is there is a, a, a pagan prince who is using the sacred vessels of sacrifice for a secular banquet. on with And, and they're eating unclean and drinking unclean things out of these sacrificial sacred vessels do you recall that bank? yes yes this guy actually dies of fright that night after the writing on the wall well what the demon is saying is we are using sacred vessels the most sacred place on the face of the earth is the womb of a woman for it is there that
1: wow. flesh is knit upon a soul wow we're hold sacred I, I, vessels. I, hold that thought oh this is huge this is huge hold that thought Wednesday War College, Jess Romero Clement. We'll pick it up on the next segment, talking about what does Daniel 527 actually mean. Fire. Wednesday War College... You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting, Daniel 5.27. Kyle, you made a statement. You said that uh, you, have, you have seen this in several cases in the last 20 years. How have you seen this? Does this writing, uh, is this something that the, that the possessed person says? Have you seen it written on their body? Did they write it in a piece of paper? In what context have you seen Daniel 5.27 during an exorcism in the last 20 years?
0: writing, as an obsessive uh, writing uh, by a person. We've also seen it appear as scratches, which appear uh, from on the skin, but from underneath. Uh, Probably the same way it appeared on the wall in the banquet hall. And it's been requisite with, um, I'm trying to think back, we've seen it mostly in satanic ritualistic abuse of, uh, women who have been used for breeders or for abuse.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and it refers to the sacred vessel of their womb. We had it in one, we had it in one multiple abortion case. Um, and that particular case, the person had, um, the man was possessed as well as the woman by different entities. But the man had made an agreement to impregnate a woman and then deliver the child uh, for sacrifice um, and and did. And so that uh, in the demon in that case reacted to the language of Daniel. Um, And so the exorcist actually turned it back on the demon and telling the demon, you've been weighed and found wanting. Mm. Um, And so this imagery is judgment imagery. Um, That particular case was also very reactive to the Dies Ere, the the Day of Wrath. And that used to be a reading that we had out of the uh, rite of uh, Christian burial Um, that it talks about the terrible day of judgment. Well, the demons are very, very sensitive to this final day of judgment. Because it is there that they that they will be eternally damned, that would be a formalization of their current status. but this understanding that the sacred vessels are also our bodies. Um, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, it says in, in one place in scripture, but the sacred vessels, especially vessels which are consecrated, which are set aside, we, we don't understand, how sacred we are made in the image and likeness of God, God's presence on earth. So if the demon can um, encourage us and be present to us, when we do these horrible things to the flesh, then this is the biggest insult that he can give to God. This is the, this is the height of his hatred for God. And remember as an angel, he was created to love God and to augment the flow of grace and so as a demon, he's doing exactly the opposite.
1: So, so Kyle, so that prayer, Deus Eris, is this, is this a, a, a powerful prayer that priests use during the rite or they can use uh, effectively to, uh, to torment the demon? Yeah, it's not part of the
0: rite, but it's, it can be very effectively used, especially in the later stages of liberation, especially in the penitentiary phase. In the penitentiary phase of liberation, what's happening is the demon is being held there by God to exact a certain amount of justice. The human has become psychologically compatible with God, and they're recognizing that whatever happens, God—this is up to God's providence—and they're willing to um, they're willing to undergo the the whatever the suffering is. They're reconciled with this, and um, oftentimes they're held in the human. Because now the human has achieved a state of grace, has become holy to a certain extent, is practicing the faith, is praying, and so all that's being visited upon the demon as a form of divine justice.
1: So, so this can be used by a Catholic priest during uh, what phase did you say? What phase of the of the of the liberation? Well,
0: we call it the penitentiary phase, meaning meaning that the demon is being held there and the justice is being exacted against him um, by God by holding him in this person, in this corpus that he wanted to possess. Well, now he's in there in this corpus or this person is praying, is having these um, devotional moments, is turning toward God. They're in a state of grace, and you can imagine how tormenting that would be for the demon. So he who entered as a tormentor is now himself being tormented.
1: Ah, that's you also mentioned something that the demon's goal is to get us to offer a blood sacrifice. How how did you say that? Uh, The the demon's goal wants humans to offer blood sacrifices or or he wants to possess. how, how uh, How did you phrase that?
0: So the demon gains stature. He gains power or stature by eliciting or being present to a human who is making a blood sacrifice and they will classify anything as blood sacrifice any untimely death they'll go so far as to um take credit for uh contraception anything that thwarts the generative principle anything that goes against procreation remember that the demon cannot creep uh, create all he can do is destroy and so The destruction of life and of families and of individuals, this is very much what he is, um, what he's about. And this is something we're not seeing in all the transgender, gender dysphoria, all of that, is it's rendering these individuals sterile. It's mocking the generative principle.
1: Hmm. Kyle there's another movie that's coming out it's uh, it's a it's a movie about father um, gable or morth i saw the trailer I, I have no intention of watching it because whoever made the movie you can see what they're doing is they're just promoting the whole phenomena the whole the parlor tricks that that demons are able to you know to do the demonic manifestations you know it has people flying through the air blood coming out of people's eyes uh as i saw the trailer i said this is this is again this is pure hollywood theatrical propaganda to get you know people uh to come out to the movie people that like horror uh but it, it it doesn't uh it to me it doesn't raise to the level intellectually of the movie nefarious just from watching both trailers what do you think
0: well i i think that you're spot on with regard to the the movie about uh, father and morse may god rest his soul is um, very much focused on the, the on the phenomenology um and he he was not it, it's not that he was not in the presence of phenomenology but he remembered something and and that all good priests do is that the primary goal is salvation of souls and it is to give glory to god the Father. Through Christ the Son, it is not to in any way glorify a creature.
1: You know, Kyle, what you you and Dan are always saying, and I think that was depicted very well in the movie uh, *Nefarious*, and not so much in the trailer that I've seen on the movie *The Father Gabriel Morth*. Is uh, you're always saying that the demon is tertiary when it w- in, in relation to spiritual warfare, Christ is primary. He's he's the center of spiritual warfare. Then the person. And the demon is just tertiary, and to me, I think again, Nefarious did a good job of not of, of not uh, making the demon front and center, uh, like some of these other horror movies with all the parlor tricks and the diabolical manifestation. This dealt more with it was a chess match. It was just an intellectual chess match between an unbelieving psychiatrist and and a demon, and the demon took him to the woodshed. And to me, it was, again, it was a combination of like reading the screw tape letters and kind of the genius of uh, Silence of the Lambs. What say you? Uh,
0: You're exactly right. The battle is the, the primary battle is the interior. Um, And this did a good job of of depicting that. I think that I haven't seen a movie in years. And um, I did watch this one um, at a request and um, I, I don't. I don't think I need to see another one. I won't see the Amorth movie simply because the trailer is enough to um, to show me um, that's not going to be something that that I need to see, nor do I want in my head.
1: <laughs> Kyle, t- tell me a little bit about uh, any time there's a blood sacrifice, and and, obvi- and uh, Satanists will say that an abortion clinic is where blood sacrifices are offered anytime there's a blood sacrifice does that empower demons the diabolical does that conjure up more demons from hell i mean what happens uh, in these blood sacrifices you know to include babies being killed in abortion clinics what does that do in the world of the diabolical does it increase their number does it does it conjure them up here to planet Earth does it increase their power what does it do on the spiritual level
0: so I, I think a couple of ways to look at it number one is is to understand what we're saying is blood sacrifice we're talking about the letting of blood not necessarily a death okay so ritualistic cutting ritualistic cutting um, okay. has a certain spiritual connotation to it um, MMA has a certain Ritualistic um, <laughs> element to it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anytime
0: right. one, anytime one human desecrates the human form, the form of another human, um, and and blood is shed, then the demon is interested. Uh, because this is our blood's supposed to stay in our body. Um, the Jews had understood this very, very well. Anytime there was a letting of blood, um, then someone had to answer for that. Um, And even the letting of of blood through menses, it was called a curse because it meant that that cycle was not a fertile cycle. But living blood, anytime blood is let, uh, this is an important understanding that the demon is saying, okay, the human is willing to do something that is against the integrity of their corpus, if they're willing to do that. If they're, if they're willing to not preserve their body whole and entire for this ultimate sacrifice to God, then there's an element of psychological compatibility. And the demon can provide power through that ritual. So, um, and he can provide certain things um, through the, the diabolical network. And so this is, this is behind spirit cooking. This is behind drinking people's blood. All of these things, which, incidentally, we're on the trajectory to cannibalism um, through all of this. uh, Pedophilia is next, and then the next stop after legalized pedophilia and legalized cannibalism. We're already seeing some forms of legalized legalized cannibalism when, Jesse, if if you are a billionaire and you need a kidney, you can obtain one for a price. Mm. This is... This is the whole thing that, that this is we're, not that we're headed there. We're already
1: there. Yeah. Um, uh, to be continued, my this, friend. We're coming to a hard break. in right. The show. Thank you very much, Kyle. God bless you, brother. Keep the faith. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Wednesday War College. Up next, hands on apologetics. Hope you enjoyed the show, family. God bless you. Keep the faith.